Hey everybody, what's up? We are here in Matthew chapter 20 in our uh, Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast today. And we'll be jumping right into Matthew chapter 20. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he'd sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. She said to them, Say to these two sons of their mind to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and to my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as they went out of Jericho, great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus, in his pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. As I was reading through this passage today, there were really so many places that I thought, This could be the nugget for the day. So this was a very difficult decision for me to really focus in on one aspect. And the aspect that I've really chosen to focus in on today focuses on the first parable that we're told here in the laborers in the vineyard. And so the concept here of the first will be last and the last will be first is put on display with this example of what that might look like. And so as we see the situation drawn out before us, we have people who are day laborers who are agreeing to work for a certain amount of money. So they agree to work for that denarius for the entire day. But the laborers also see that the master goes out and hires some other people that are going to come at different marks in the day. And so the times that are given there are to show that there's time that's taken place all the way throughout the day. And so it's not necessarily just like they are being hired on as clockwork all these times. 
but showing that there's progression that's taking place in this parable. So once again, when we think about a parable, it's a story that has a point behind it. It's not necessarily always supposed to be taken literally for all of the aspects that are in there. Because the biggest point of what happens here is that when it comes time to pay out, the people are paid in reverse of when they've been hired. And so undoubtedly, people would think in our society today, especially, the longer I work, the more I'm going to be paid. So when they see that the people in the front are paid a denarius for the one hour of their day, they're assuming, hey, that's going to continue to reap greater benefits for me. But what happens is they all receive the same reward. And instead of being grateful that they received what they had been promised, they're actually indignant or angry at what's occurred. And so what we see here is that these people are setting themselves up against what they are actually agreeing to. And the master really calls them out on this, saying, hey, can I not do with my own things what I want? Or is there a problem with me being generous here? And they're really still upset in this situation. And so we don't actually see a full response of what takes place. But what happens here is we see a glimpse into what it means to be given salvation. And so regardless of where that takes place in our life, we are promised the same thing as the others. We're promised that eternal salvation for what we've done. And so whether we have grown up in the church, spent our entire life, as we can remember it as far back as it goes, focused on following the Lord, or whether we come to faith later, the same grace of God that saves us is bestowed equally upon all of us. So what we see here in this parable is that many who have been in the faith longer or have been considered a part of those who have been hired are often upset with how they see God reacting to these other people. And so the Jewish people who felt like they had been faithful to the Lord, as he now opens this up to others, as he displays salvation and gives that to all these other people, might have a tendency to move towards bitterness or anger about what they see as a perceived injustice about what Jesus is offering here. But he displays that it's a true reversal of what's taking place. The last will be first, the first will be last. When we talk about that, it displays to us that our walk with the Lord or our pursuit of him in salvation is not a competition with others around us, but it's based solely upon the generosity of the master. And so it's that same grace that's given to each one of us at whatever point in time in our life that we're given salvation is the same grace that's given to all. And so we're not called to compare ourselves to others or to point out our own merits or our own deserving nature for the gift of God that he's offering to us, but instead are to understand that it's the grace of God that's been given to us that makes us worth anything. And so when we think about the other way, if we're going to say that we need what we deserve, uh, it's a very dangerous position to be in is we know that what we truly deserve is the penalty of our sin. The penalty of our sin is death. And that's something that we definitely would not ask for. But if we get into this situation where we talk about what we actually deserve, that's exactly what's pointed to us. So as I said, there's many different really great nuggets that we could pull out in here. And so maybe that's something that you develop as you talk with others about certain aspects of this chapter that really stuck out to you. Undoubtedly, there's also some questions that you might have. One of the questions that often comes up when you're looking through a passage such as this is it mentions Jericho, but many of us know from our children's stories that Jericho was completely destroyed. Not only that, Jericho was something that there was a curse pronounced that we see in Joshua chapter 6, that it was not to be rebuilt except for at the cost of the people who were going to do that. So Joshua predicts that this is going to take place. We can look back in 1 Kings chapter 16 to see that the man who rebuilt Jericho did so at the uh, demise of two of his sons that died 
because he was rebuilding what God had supernaturally destroyed. And so you might be asking, hey, what happened here? Jericho's being mentioned, but I know Jericho was destroyed. Scripture helps us interpret that as we look back at these other passages that may be in parts of the Bible that you might not fully be familiar with. So whatever your question is that you find from this passage today, commit to finding that answer as you seek to become a student of God's Word, as you seek to understand how you can discover these solutions, whether that be through the people around you, whether that be through tools that you have, seek to answer the questions as you seek to become a student of God's Word. Also, commit to sharing that with others as you commit to sharing the gospel with others, sharing the good news that we're learning. We draw ourselves together into a greater community, which brings glory to God. Know as you go today, you are loved. You're